Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming up on episode 293 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the all-new Toyota Prius Prime, the Ford Expedition, the Mercedes-Benz EQE SUV, the Toyota Corolla Cross Hybrid, the 2024 Jeep Wrangler um, refresh, and and also the uh, Ram 1500 Rev, the new Hyundai Kona and Kia EV9, um, streaking in front of your Tesla, and Cruise versus Waymo. All that and more coming up next. This is episode uh, 293 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Mabual Salmon from Guidehouse Insights. Um, I'm Nicole Wakeland from, we're going to go with True Car this week. And I am Roberto Baldwin from Engadget. Let's begin with uh, Nicole. Oh, you're terrible. You did that to me just like I said I was. I literally just said to have everyone, I'm still pulling up the details because I don't have them on Roni. Let's start with Nicole. You shaking my fist at the screen. Okay. I have uh, a 2022 Ford Expedition this week, uh, which is gigantic. Um, a big, big I, truck. It's, it's big, big truck. So everything about it, I'm like, it's big. Seats are big. Stepping up is big. Back seats are big. Third row. Guess what? Big. Everything big? is big about this. But you know what? Yeah, it's not as big as a Wagoneer. It is. Is it not dun, really? Dun, as big dun, as dun. A it's like four inches shorter. Wait, then the couple, Wagoneer or the Grand Wagoneer? Both. I mean, the, the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer oh, they're the are the same. same I'm thinking yeah. XL. Yeah. So the 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 Wagoneers are four inches longer than the uh, the Expedition and four yeah. inches wider. It definitely the the Wagoneer feels like it, it feels on a highway like driving through the tunnel in Logan. The Wagoneer feels like you're gonna take. Sidewall with you. This when I drove it through the Sumner Tunnel did not feel quite as scary. So there you go. Um, so it is huge. And I did exactly say, I feel like when you have a pickup truck, you have to haul mulch. But when you have a great big SUV, you have to like make a dump run with stuff. You have to find stuff that you've been trying to get. You got to make friends. That's my problem. Cause I don't really <laughs> have a lot of friends. So then I'm like, oh no, who wants to go riding around? None of my well, friends want to go even... drive around in a car anymore with me. Even though like we're like, done with that. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's Easter and like everyone's in town, we didn't all go anywhere together. We like met at places. So I didn't need all of this passenger seating, but I did need the cargo room because we had, uh, we purchased a new bedroom set several weeks ago. And the Ooh. old one was sitting in the garage with the hopes that at some point I would get a vehicle large enough to take it. So my daughter, who's home from college, I said, instead of being a lazy bum and just sitting here, guess what you're going to help mom do. So she helped me load this up. And here's the thing. I really wasn't sure. Like we had a full, like a standard dresser, like a long dresser. And I thought, is this actually going to fit? Like, am I going to get it in there? But like, when I go to shut the tailgate, the edge of the tailgate's going to press back on it. No, it fit into there. It fit. And then we stacked stuff at the end of it. Still, we had like dresser drawers still stacked at the end and it still fit. So it was a dresser, all the drawers two, uh, a, one of the bedside tables, a mirror, all the long, long pieces from our king size bed. Cause we got a whole new bed and everything all fit. And there was still room. I just thought, oh my gosh, this, I don't even need to know the number. You guys, you can shove an entire bedroom set into the bathroom. That's all you need to know. That should summarize it right there. Like a visual representation. Imagine cramming all that back in and still having room. 
So we brought all that to uh, to get rid of. So I was pretty impressed with the cargo room. I actually really liked to getting into the third row. So it's a big SUV. So it's not like some of those, you know, midsize SUVs or crossovers that have a third row. That, cram a third row. Right, in. That like you, Robbie, could never hope to get into the third row unless you're like for babies. It. It's, it's for, for babies. babies. Yes. This one it actually, you could sit back there and even better the way the step in, like the space to step in. Cause that's the other thing. Even if you can sit down, if getting into it is like, you have to contort yourself around the seats and it's awkward. You can't like get in there, but this one, the seat does the usual, you know, tips forward and slides, but it really slides forward. I mean, there's plenty of room to just literally put your hand on the seat, put your hand on the, on the frame of the car and just step right in. You don't have to even turn sideways. You can literally just step straight in, which is kind of neat. I thought that would actually make it a usable third row because most of the time they really aren't. And if you had kids that were climbing back there, it's light enough that once you flip that back and you push it, like a kid could even do that. Like, you know, a Someone who's not in a little baby seat that needs to be buckled, but still even needs a car seat or just wants to hop in the back. It's easy enough to do. So I appreciate that. A family vehicle made to haul stuff and haul people that can actually easily haul stuff and haul people. And, I always I always think about the but, little kids who are like seven, who yeah. you see them just like they want to sit in the third row and they're just like, like heaving. Yeah. They're doing like weight training. It, and like, like they're like in really great. Those, those kids are future Olympians. Exactly. The future Olympians. That's the, the trying to move the seats around. Um, the other thing that I thought was neat, and I don't think most correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, but the, the there's, you know, three rows. So you have buttons in the back that you can release all the rows. So you don't have to go running around pulling latches and stuff. You mean so, from the cargo area? From the cargo area. Okay, yeah. So, but for the third row, it's two buttons and it goes down like 60, 40, pump, pump, two different pieces. But for the second row, it's actually three pieces. There's a left, a right, and a middle. There's a button for each one. So you oh, can so choose. you can put down just the center section? Oh, this is center. Yeah. Yeah. Can so you can, you oh, can that's pick. Nice. I don't recall seeing that before. So it's like you can literally do the left, the right, the middle, whichever order you want to do them in, you can do them in. Like if you just want one, you just want the left side in the middle, yeah. just... I remember, like, I think old Suburbans maybe had that. Possibly. I remember, like, like, like back in the eighties or nineties, somebody had, like, one of our friends' parents, one of my friends' parents had one that you yeah. could do in the middle, and I thought that was really cool. It was really neat that you could just flip down the middle seat if you wanted, and then you could have something long pass through from the back, but still have two full seats on either side. I thought that was kind of neat. I mean, if you're because if you're someone who's buying this. And you want all this space, and clearly you have plans to put all sorts of stuff and people in there. And I thought that was one extra little piece of versatility to let you carry whatever kind of like complications of people and cargo that you want. So I appreciated that. I thought that was neat. Um, comfy car, huge. It has a 3.5 liter twin turbocharged V6 that I didn't yet look up the numbers because Sam was too fast making me go first. Too fast. Um, <laughs> but it's paired to a I think it's 440. I think it's 440 horsepower. I think it is. It, it the says there's, there's, I got this, that's with a stealth performance brings, here I got found it. Stealth performance brings it up to 440. And I think I did actually have that because I had the um, fancy red brake calipers on mine. It's very fancy. Very right. stealthy. Very stealthy. Wait, You'd never red? notice the bright. There's a stealth red. package, but it has red. red. I think the stealth package <laughs> okay. actually adds red. The, the opposite of stealth. Details, Robbie. <laughs> Details. Um, so, but I mean, it is. It's got plenty of power. Um, and if you, you know, you hit the gas pedal and the thing moves, 
there's no hesitation getting up to highway speeds or anything. Even when I was, um, had it full up with the bedroom set it, we have to get on the highway for a few minutes to get to get rid of it. It accelerates fine. It was like, whatever, put another bedroom set in there. Didn't care. Um, and it's, and it also does it relatively quietly. Like this isn't a car where you necessarily or vehicle you necessarily want to hear the engine, you know, it's not a performance vehicle or a sports car where you're looking for that as part of the experience. You hear it, you know, it's working, you know, it's doing its thing, but it's never this intrusive, angry sound that's going to disturb like the kids that are trying to sleep in the second and third row, which is also a nice thing in an SUV. So I really like it. Now I don't have a Monroney, so I don't have all the pricing broken out but um, it starts for your cheapy cheap version for the 22 at about 55,000 and tops out at 80,900. So in the 80,000 ish range. And that platinum is actually more expensive than the, what I believe was what I was driving, which was a limited stealth performance, which is like a couple thousand dollars less with its stealthy red stealth. brake calipers. Yeah. And you get the giant touchscreen like that. I, I, uh, the, the 15, what I think it's 15.5 inch, like, vertical. Oh, the same one that's in the Maki. Yeah. yeah. The same yeah. one that's in the Maki, which I yep. still, I still have a little, the, the dial that controls the volume. I still find it. A, it, it looks like an air, like the puck from an air hockey table. Like I should be able to slide it around like, kapoom, kapoom, and like knock stuff around. Like it should move. <laughs> um, but it is easy to use. The only thing that I, and I, this might just be how I grab onto the dial. It's not very deep. I mean, it's raised like, I don't know, maybe a half an inch or something from the actual screen itself for you to grip onto it. But if you're not careful when you grip it, you hit, it's the touch screen is right behind it. And you can very easily accidentally touch things on the screen behind it. So you've, you've not meant to do anything except adjust the volume or touch that control. Instead, you've also touched some touch screen stuff. So it just takes a little finessing to get used to like you, you have to just grab the edges of it. If you grab too far in, you will you will accidentally do stuff on the touch screen. Whoopsie. Whoopsie. So that was yeah. I'm not a, a super big fan of that little control knob for th- mostly for that reason because I just find that it I, looks slick though. It's like it looks there. Kind of, but do you like, not see the air hockey yeah. table thing? Yeah, it no, look it's, like it's, you should be able to slide it around. Like, maybe I think like, I just like it. I, I think I'm just enamored with like oh look there's a circle in the middle of the touch screen. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, literally that's a, how helpful is it? I'm like, I don't know, I don't know but it looks big. really cool. Check it, it out. Cool. The GMC is putting the same thing on the Sierra EV. I mean, it's literally the exact same is it kind really? of system. Yeah. It's God. it's glued onto the screen. Yeah. You know, and the the knob itself acts as a capacitive controller. So if mm-hmm. you if you if you pried the knob off, you could, or if it fell off, you know, by accident or wasn't properly glued on, you could just use your finger on there and do like it. Oh, and just swipe thing. it around. Like an iPod? Yeah. Like the capacitive touch iPod wheel? Yeah. Yeah. If you can see me and Robbie are now making little circles. We're making just in case little Sam circles and, and we all remember. Like. No, I, I know what it looks like because <laughs> I still have one of those iPods in a drawer upstairs. I have one. Wow. I, I'm always trying yeah. to get to work. Like I used to have a bunch of them. I don't know where they all went. I, I, I used to I, buy I, them and fix them. Yeah. <laughs> Did you really? People, uh, people would they would, they would get their iPod and then it would break, and then I would buy them for like thirty, forty bucks, and they'd always be sad because the iPod was like this one thing that had everything. It had your your entire personality was in this little was on white that iPod, box. that little tiny white square. And so I would buy, I would go to their house and pick it up, and they'd be like, "I'm kind of sad." I'm like, "Yeah, I get that a lot." I'm like, oh, "Here's wow. your twenty bucks," and I take it home and then I fix them. <laughs> There's usually like there was a battery a issue. battery in there. Or yeah, or there was a there was an issue drive. where you had to had like just a little bit of pressure. So if you put a, a business card in there, 
it would make it work again. <laughs> like you'd open it up, really? shove a business card in it, close it, and then it would work for like a good eight, nine more months. That was your did, fix? Did you ever take ha- one of those and and uh, put uh, like an SD card in there in place of the uh, the little 1.8 inch hard drive? I haven't. I have, you know, I have, like, I have a couple. I want to do that with the ones I have somewhere around the house. We have a, yeah, but they're great because you can still like, you just plug it in. And now I just use old iPhones for iPods. I just put everything on the iPhone. (laughs) Old iPhones. I don't have any old tech. I throw it away as soon as it's done with its useful life. And the new one has come to my home. I'm like, buy old one. Yeah. No, no. Everything still has a useful life somewhere, somehow, eventually. (laughs) It's just a matter of time until you discover what that is. The the giant tubs of random electronics that my husband has kept over the years are (laughs) testament to that. Is it cables? (laughs) Cables, Cables. So many cables. Has he told told your your, your daughter that one day all of this will be hers? (laughs) (laughs) One day day you will have Firewire cables (laughs) and Firewire 800 cables. Well, every now and then he pulls it like, what even is this? And he's like, oh, yeah, we don't need this. No, this is old stuff. I'm like, oh, what is this? This This is 75 yeah. you're finally getting rid of it yeah. husband <laughs> you never Does know when you're firewire pci cards in there that you can I don't even put know into what's an old in computer there. i don't even know what's in probably whatever that is sam i'm sure he has one. <laughs> oh, firewire uh all, all right. the firewire stuff for music stuff used to be like super expensive and now you can get it for like a nickel Oh jeez! Because everyone, it, it was just like for a limited amount of time for a few years firewire was everything and then they're like oh we can just make usb faster <laughs> Like, uh-oh. <laughs> and then Intel couldn't charge a huge uh, licensing fee for it because, you know, that was their technology. And, yeah. yeah. Mm, poor Intel. Oh, I, well. I, I think they'll be fine. They seem to be. <laughs> they'll be okay. They're, they're struggling a little bit financially. They've been struggling for like 15, 20 years, though. Yeah. All <laughs> right. What, what did you drive, Mr. Baldwin? So I flew to Portugal. Uh, where everyone Ooh. speaks Portuguese and not Spanish, which breaks my brain, uh, <laughs> by the way. Uh, my mom is Mexican, so I speak some Spanish. And so when people are speaking Portuguese, my brain immediately tries to figure out what they're saying, and it does not work. Um, anyway, uh, Portugal is, is wonderful. You should go visit. It's and I, But anyway, while I was there, I drove the EQE SUV. This is the smaller luxury SUV, electric SUV from Mercedes-Benz. Um, it has most, most of the major stuff you want from the, uh, the EQS, but in a smaller package. You can get it with uh, rear-wheel steering. It's, it's optional, though. It's not like you, know, you don't get it for free um, on, the, uh, on the SUV. But I, here's, here's, the, here's the thing. It's not an exciting car. It's not like, whoa, yeah, it's, 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 not, it, it's not like the EV6 GT or Ionic 5, um, but it does sort of, it, 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 it fulfills the promise of luxury in an electric SUV from Mercedes-Benz. And that's really all it needs to do. And, and it's kind of like the, like the E-Class. It's just like, it's not an S-Class, but you're still going to get a nice little, you, you know, you're getting a nice car. And that's, that's, that's essentially... <laughs> A nice car and you're there with all these people all these other journalists and we're all uh, you know you 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 eventually start talking about the car and you're like you know it's not exciting it's not like really sporty and you know you, you can get to 500 or the 350 but you know you're not no one's flying around corners in this thing no one's like yeah i'm riding 10 tenths you know you're, you're you're getting you're driving around town you're picking up the kids from the private school you're throwing lacrosse things sticks i don't know what they're called are they called sticks Thanks. anyway i'm assuming people who have any who buy who buy mercedes their kids play lacrosse that's my that's my guess um or soccer and you throw it, it in the back it is lacrosse sticks just you know you lacrosse were correct sticks. 
Thank I you. I googled. Uh, yeah, lacrosse sticks. Um, there's plenty of you know there's 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 a uh, plenty of headroom, which is one of the problems I have with the EQ sedans, especially in the rear seats. Um, you just you don't you know you got to be kind of careful back there because if you're tall, you're, you're hitting your head. Um, the the SUVs are that's why they I think the SUVs are a better um, proposition for most people. Um, just because part of that Mercedes-Benz luxury thing is that it's luxury for everyone. It's not just the driver. Um, I will say that you can get the 350 Plus, which is a rear-wheel drive vehicle, or you can get the 350, which is in all, in the formatic all-wheel drive, and they are both the exact same price. Same price. Oh. Which is I should have pulled up my my uh, my bits of information to me. <laughs> nope, nope, that's the wrong car. Sorry, <laughs> I almost talked about a car I'm not allowed to talk about. <gasps> oh, you bro- would have broken an embargo. I would have broken it. You know that that would have broken that that hurts my heart thinking about uh, doing <laughs> it hurts that. Your heart. It does. Um, the pain. Seventy-seven thousand nine hundred dollars. So you can get the three fifty uh, plus. Just a regular, you know, it's rear-wheel drive, or you can get the 350 all medic for the exact same price. So here's the here's the here's the rub. So the um, the 350 plus has doo, 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 doo. where is the range? 269. Nope, that's wrong. 253. Nope, that's wrong too. <laughs> oh no, that's right. 200. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, it's 253 miles of range, but 350, the, the uh, Formatic has 279 miles of range. Nope, wait. 350 for the regular one, 279 for the At this point, guys, I would distrust everything. Oh, you know what? Don't, everything I'm saying is a coffee. lie. Um, I'm looking. The problem is that I'm looking at a script and not at a uh, written up thing. And then mm-hmm. by the time I actually read it out loud, I know the thing by heart, so I don't even bother. Looking at the uh, who's it? Here we go. Now we're going to get you some real numbers. I got the old uh, press release. Oh, from there the, we go. The official official. The official official. Here we go. If you get the EQE 350 plus, this is the rear wheel drive. It's 279 miles of range. You get the 354 Matic, 253 miles of range. Those those vehicles both seventy seven thousand nine hundred dollars. If you get the 500, this is the more powerful vehicle. Um, it gets 269 miles of range. So it's like right in the middle between the two. Um, but it starts at $89,500. So you're, you're spending about $12,000 more for this vehicle. And to be completely honest, you don't need the 500 power. I mean, it's there. I drove it. I drove all three of these vehicles. <laughs> it did you don't, its just, There's no, no, just save the $12,000 and, and throw like um, all wheel steering on your 350 done that's the what you end. would do that's yeah, how you yeah. spec it out that's how i would spec it out they uh they all come with a 90.6 uh kilowatt hour battery pack um and they all charge at 170 kilowatts at a dc compatible dc fast charger which isn't great when you look at things from hyundai but mercedes is still rolling that 400 volt system which is well you know, the, the reality is you know any public charging station you go to <laughs> Odds are it's probably not going to be that's, pumping out that much. That's all anyway. you're going to get anyway. <laughs> you're you're get that much. You'll be lucky to get 170. Yeah. So especially right. if it's Electrify America. It's but yeah. So so there's that. Um, <laughs> the the power differences between the vehicle, the 350 and the 350 plus, um, the 350 Matic and 350 plus both both have 288 horsepower. 
the uh, formatic with the one with the extra all-wheel drive with the extra motor up front um, has 564 pound-feet of torque, while the rear-wheel drive only has 417. Uh, I am, I'm going to tell you the numbers for the 500, but uh, who cares? Uh, <laughs> it's 402 horsepower, 633 pound-feet of torque. Again, you don't, you don't, you really just don't need it. You don't, you don't. You don't. I mean, you can get it because you can say, oh, I have a 500. You can point at the badge. Or maybe you can just buy a 350. Point and throw at the badge. What did you get? I got that. <laughs> I got that. Yeah. No, I, 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 it's, it's, it, this is def, this is not an, uh, again, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's, it's not a performance vehicle. I don't know why you would need the more power to just cruise around town, just have a nice time and be comfortable. Um, so yeah, I, I like the vehicle. I think it, it, it fits well in their EQ lineup. Um, I still wish uh, Mercedes would hurry up and get onto their. Uh, I think they're going 900 volt. I think they're <clears throat> they're jumping past 800. Yeah, right I, I think that I think that's going to be in their 2025 vehicles. Yeah, because when you talk about the EQ XX, that's a 900 volt vehicle, and they're like, yeah, everything that's in there is going to make it to our other stuff. So and you're like, oh, okay, they're like, wink, wink, wink. I'm actually doing a wink for no reason. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's good. We so can see we it. Yeah, we can see it. Yeah, Sam and I go. appreciate it. So the uh, also it has the hyper screen, which again, I'm, eh. <laughs> <laughs> it has a twelve point. Like you can get the regular twelve point eight uh, portrait screen. It's a little portrait screen sits in the middle. Nice, just flat regular dash. Just get that. The hyper screen. How much extra I, what, do they charge for that? Oh, I don't. I don't have the the numbers on that. Unfortunately, it didn't. They didn't give us that information. But unless you really absolutely positively have to have a passenger screen don't don't get it just get the regular screen i i will say that using i think it's uh zinc the the video streaming service that they're using it's like a third party oh, okay. um while, while i was driving around i was able to watch um everything everywhere all at once in the passenger screen did you like that movie i love that movie i did oh, and they called it like it I did yeah. not. Michelle Yeoh is great. I know. It's too much, huh? Mm. Okay, what was just, the hands thing? That, that, little, that the little hot dog finger <laughs> too much? thing. Oh, the hot dog finger thing. You're like, no. What's that like, happened? I'm done. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I watched that movie, uh, much to the chagrin of. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, 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 the, the hyper screen it's i don't know if you if you're if you dig it and you really want to watch a video and for some reason you don't want to own an ipad or an iphone then go for it um you know you have to use bluetooth headset to to listen to it and uh they have a setting so if the driver tries to watch it it turns it off so i was in the car with tim stevens and he kept trying to test it so i kept turning off my movie thanks a lot tim <laughs> uh, MBUX is still probably one of the best infotainment systems out there on the market, and their voice assistant for me um, is still probably the best. It's I'm, I'm having yeah, I've always had good luck with it. So yeah, EQ uh, EQE SUV, and it's uh, it's getting kind of difficult with these names because there's EQS, EQS SUV, EQE, EQE. Uh, I have a so feeling. So I'm doing that... video, and I just keep saying AQS. I'm like. <clears throat> I have a feeling in the, that in the next few years, as um, more manufacturers have more and more EVs in their lineups, they're just going to start dropping these EV Weird. special sub brands. Like yeah, Mercedes at some point you have EQ. to just yeah, they just have you to know, be part of the lineup. Hyundai will like, go away from yeah. Ionic, and mm -hmm. you know, and and they'll it'll just be you know like it'll be like Kona EV, you know, mm -hmm. or yeah. you know E Class EV. 
Yeah, yeah. Or just E class at some point. That's just yeah. that's, you know E class, and then they'll have the because there won't be the, a gas version. Yeah, there won't be a gas version. So for now, it's just a little confusing. But in the future, <laughs> future, future, it'll it'll be it'll be less confusing. Uh, yeah, EQE SUV, uh, a nice luxury SUV from Mercedes Benz. That's exactly what it is. A nice, it's a nice time. That works. That works. Yeah. A luxury yeah. SUV SUV from Mercedes. Sure. All right. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. Well, um, over the last couple of weeks, I had a, you know, I was in between going to California for five days to drive uh, some cars and then going to the New York Auto Show. I was only home mm-hmm. for, for a few days. And so I didn't have anything scheduled during that interim. But I'm going to talk about the, um, the third generation Chevrolet Volt. Um, also known as the 2023 Toyota Prius Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Could you, you got us. You got- <laughs> because basically, you know, if General Motors had not discontinued the Volt, the, the uh, you know, right, right about now, they would be ready for a Gen 3 because the, the Gen 2 came out in 2016. Gen 3 would be out about now. And I think that it would be very much like what the Prius Prime is, uh, even know. the looks. I think it would probably yeah. even look oh, exactly. Like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you know, I, I looked at the the specs, you know, the the dimensions and everything. This car is so close to the dimensions of what the Volt was in terms of length and width and everything and height. And you know, the way that they have evolved the Prius, this generation of Prius, compared to what it was in the past, you know, it has shifted much more towards you know, kind of the sportier styling of the Volt. Um, you know, the Prius Prime's got a, an even bigger battery than it had before. Uh, you, depending on the, the trim level, you can have up to 44 miles of electric range on uh-huh. the plug-in hybrid. The, the power, the electric power levels, each, each generation, they, the first gen plug-in Prius, the PHV that came out in like 2011, that thing was kind of a dud. Um, you know, it had like a three, a four kilowatt hour battery, you know, it would, nominally go about eight or nine miles on a charge, but it had so little electrical power that you really couldn't, I mean, you would have to be extremely light on the pedal to get it to actually stay in electric mode and not turn on the engine. Um, You got a nice downhill start. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then the second gen got a lot better, but it looked ridiculous. Um, And now this third gen, you know, is the first really attractive Prius um, and you know, we, we've talked about it before. I think, I think both of you drove the, or at least one of you drove the, the, the regular hybrid Prius, uh, last fall. But, you know, if you think back about a year ago, before, before we went to the, uh, Toyota Palooza in, in uh, Plano last June, 
I think, you know, at some point we had talked about, you know, why, why does Toyota even need a Prius anymore? Because sales of the Prius have been declining for years. Um, you know, that I, I talked to, uh, to Mike Tripp, uh, who's the uh, VP of marketing communications for the Toyota brand. Um, you know, and one of the things that they, they talked about is that um, the uh, uh, 25% of all Toyota sales, Toyota brand sales, in North America now are hybrids. And how much? 25%? Uh, yeah, just shy of 25%. Wow. And uh for um for Lexus, it's almost 40%. And for uh, uh models, models like the uh, Corolla, the Corolla is almost 44% hybrid wow. now. Yeah. So you know, you've got the Corolla hybrid that had the exact same powertrain <clears throat> as what was in the Prius, basically the same size car, less controversial design. <laughs> yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and basically the same fuel economy as the Prius, and and about the same price. So why would you buy the Prius? You know, so it was a big question of you know, okay, if we're going to do another generation of Prius, what do we do with it? And the thing that Mike focused on was, well, we want it to be our kind of our technology leader, and so they you know they put some stuff in here that uh, you know is trying to p- move the Toyota brand forward. So it's got. Uh, traffic jam assist, which is their hands-free system that unfortunately only works up to like 25 miles an hour. Uh, but it does have, um, it does have uh, a driver monitor system and infrared driver monitor and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, and it's geofenced to highways. So it's basically like super cruise that only works to 25 miles an hour at some point in the future might, might do more. We'll see. Um, you know, the prime, as the plug-in hybrid, it's now like a 13 and a half kilowatt hour battery pack. It's got 160 horsepower from the electric motor, uh, which is more than the Volt ever had. It was 150. Uh, and um, with the combined electric motor and the gas engine, it's 220 horsepower. So it's reasonably quick. Um, the the only, you know, and, and the other big advantage that this has that over the Volt um, the Volt, because it had this T-shaped battery, always had this big, giant center tunnel. And the second generation Volt, you know, they kind of put some padding on the top. You know, the first generation Volt was strictly a four-seater. The second gen, they put some padding on the top of that and a third seat belt in the back seat, but it wasn't really useful for, <laughs> for humans. You know, and you'd have to sit straddling this this battery tunnel. Um, the In the, the, uh, the Prius Prime, the battery is entirely under the back seat and a little bit into the cargo area. Uh, and so you've got full floor space in the back seat, uh, which is really nice. Uh, the only downside really is that because it's now two inches lower than the old Prius was, because one of the things about the old Prius, it was for a small car, it was surprisingly roomy because the, the shape, when you looked at it in profile, the, the roof line kind of went up and had a big arc back down to the the, the tail again. And so you had a fair amount of headroom even in the back seat in that thing. In this one, you don't. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're tall, like Robbie, um, you would probably have a. I don't know. Did you drive the Prius or the I Prime? I haven't driven the Prius Prime yet. No. Okay, you would probably have a tough time in the back seat. Uh, yeah, I I got in the back seat. Um, my head was just barely touching the headliner. Um, you know, plenty of legroom, but not a lot of headroom. And um, so that that could be a problem for some people. The other main complaint I had about it is they went with basically the same. So the 
Priuses in the past always had this long, narrow strip across the center of the dash for the gauges and nothing in front of the driver. So they got rid of that and they have an instrument cluster, a digital instrument cluster in front of the driver. But it's the same basic setup that they have in the BZ4X. So you've got this digital display and, you know, the the plastic looks like a tunnel kind of leading towards it. Um, And it sits up above the steering wheel. And depending on how you sit, um, it may, the steering wheel may or may not be cutting off the bottom part of that display. I yeah. found that, and I swear, I, I, share, I actually had people asking about this when I share pictures of this online, and people were saying, like, is it is it any easier to see than the BZ4X? I'm like, no. No, well, it's, for, it's for it's, me. It was because yeah, you know, the seating position and everything. It, so it but if you depends on your body. It does, but if you if if you're not the I don't know if you're I think it's a combination of like exactly where you put your seat, like mm-hmm. you know I, somebody could be exactly my height, but if they sit a little higher or a little lower or a little closer, it's this very like. And I kept trying to adjust everything. Sam, it was like oh was I like, know it's 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 a very personal thing. Adjust the seat. I could not. I can get it where I can see most of what I want to see, but I also feel like then if I can see it all, I'm not quite driving at the angle that I want to be driving at, but I sort of went like, okay, I'm only driving this for a short time, right? We're on a trip. If I was driving it for hours and hours and hours, would I get used to wherever I put the seating position? Do you know what I mean? When I mm-hmm. just sort of get comfy, but I could not quite, I couldn't quite get it. Couldn't find no, the sweet spot. I could not find the sweet spot. Yeah. So in the BZ4X, I, I did have that problem. Uh, you know, and and of course, you know, the BZ4X is a little bit taller, you know, it's laid out a little bit differently. And so I could not find a position where the steering wheel was not cutting off the cluster for me in the 4X. But in the Prius, I, I could. But I know okay. a bunch of other people I talked to that were on the same wave. You know, some, you know, some were fine with it. Some, you know, were having it cutting off the cluster. So I think, I think Toyota needs to rethink this approach or if they're going to do this, this type of thing, they need to just put the the cluster up even higher so that yeah. no matter where you sit, it's always going to be completely visible because yeah. there's too many, it, it's, it depends too much on your, your, your body proportions, you know, how, how you sit and, you know, your, your torso to leg length and arm length and all this stuff for, you know, for, it seems like about half of people are going to have, it, have the steering wheel cutting off the cluster and the other half are going to be fine. I think that's right. I think it's about a 50-50 split. You're either totally fine with it. You're like, I don't get what everyone's complaining about. Or you sit down and go, what the heck? It's And it's, you just can't tell. And then, you know, the other issue is, you know, when you look at it in profile, as I said, you know, the roof line is lower than before. And, you know, there's kind of almost continuous line from the front bumper, you know, up into the roof, you know, and the, 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 windshield is raked back pretty far which looks you know from a, an aesthetic standpoint it looks pretty cool it looks sporty um but for i know for a lot of people they had a hard time getting in and out of it um and uh you know i know one one friend of mine um who shall remain unnamed when he got into the seat um you know he he's um let's just say of a slightly more substantial girth um but you know he he could not you know, without tilting his head sideways, you know, under the door opening, he could oh. not then reach out and grab the door to pull the door shut. So it was very awkward getting in and out. Um, so, you know, if you're going to consider the Prius and, and this goes for both the hybrid and the prime, mm-hmm. if you're going to consider the new Prius, you absolutely will want to make sure you get to a dealer 
sit in one, drive it, you know, get everything set up the way you want in terms of steering wheel, seating, mirrors, and everything, and make sure that it fits you. Because if it fits you, it's great. Um, if it doesn't, you are going to hate it. Just so, it. yeah. So, you know, make sure you try it on for size, uh, because this is one of those cars that you, it it's for a lot of people, it's just not going to fit right. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's the way it is. And, you know, that, that's why you, you absolutely need to go check everything out in person before you sign for, you know, a 30 to $40,000 car. For the um, next four, five, six, seven, eight, yeah, many years. Yeah, I know. You know, people are like, oh, "I'm going to order this. I'm going to pre-order a car," and I'm just like, "Oh, have you have you gotten the car? Have you sat in the yeah. car?" And they're like, "No, I'm just going to buy it." I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. I mean, no, if it, don't if ever if do it, that. If I guess if you're if you're uh, the type of person who's who's like I, I you know if you're getting a Bronco something you could flip. Yeah. Then I'm like, all right, fine. Because you know you're going to be able to flip it. But if you're like, oh, I'm going to get the new, you know, Prius Prime, I don't think people are going to be flipping Prius Primes. Um, <laughs> you don't think? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's, uh, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's the Prius Prime. It looks really cool, but I don't, yeah. And then you get it and you're like, oh, I'm, now I'm stuck with this thing for three to five, seven, whatever, for, for years. Um, and now I have, I'm very uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am so, not, I'm very uncomfortable in this no, I'm car. I'm sad. So the, no, the, it's fine. the Prius Prime comes in three trim levels: the SE with 17-inch wheels, or the XSE and XSE Premium with 19-inch wheels. If you get the SE, um, it has 44 miles of electric range, and um, it gets 52 miles per gallon combined in hybrid mode. If you get the XSE uh, or XSE Premium with the the bigger wheels. You get 39 miles of electric range and um, 48 miles per gallon, which is still excellent. You know, so, you know, you're mm -hmm. looking at 40 miles and, you know, I drove the XSE premium uh, and an XSE, um, you know, on a rainy day in, in Southern California. Um, and I was averaging 3.1, 3.2 miles per kilowatt hour, which worked out to just over 40 miles per gallon or 40 miles of electric range on a full charge because it wasn't. It was at like 94% when I took it out and it's about 14% when I brought it back. Um, and, uh -huh. um, you know, it, you can easily drive it in electric mode, you know, 160 horsepower electric, um, you know, that's enough, you know, as long as you're not, you know, doing drag racing starts all the time, <laughs> you will be able to drive it, you know, for 40 miles on, uh, on electricity alone, which will, for most people, means you will almost never have to put gas in this thing. Um which is which is great. Um you know pricing starts at 32350 uh for the SE goes up to 39170 for the XSE premium. Um and you know since this was a, a first drive you know we didn't have Monroni's or anything. Um mm -hmm. but do you want to take a guess at the um uh destination charge that uh, Toyota charges? 995 Oh, look at this same time. <laughs> 1295 and 1200? I said 995. Oh, 995. Oh, Nicole wins. It's 1095. Yay, Woo, Nicole. Tell me. I'm just happy when you So, win. so all, all in, you know, all in on the uh on the XSC premium, you're looking at 40,265. Um, which is not cheap. Um, mm -hmm. but, you know, for for a plug-in hybrid with 40 miles of range, you know, this is um, you know, what what does Toyota refer to? You know the most flexible electric vehicle you can get. 
uh, you know, which, you know, is, is true because electrified you know, you, vehicle or electric vehicle. They, they, they called it electric because um, you, know, you can you can drive it electrically for for most of your driving and then just keep driving. Sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could call my Jaguar an electric vehicle. It has electrics in it. It has a battery. <laughs> but it doesn't have electric propulsion. Technically. I mean, if I just yeah. push it forward while the Maybe they called it electrified. I can't remember. But, okay. Um, at, at any rate, uh, you know, it, it's a, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a really nice car. Um, if it fits you, um, do you have, did you have any other thoughts on it? Me? I, the, the thing that I noticed, I mean, I pretty much agree with everything you said. I think the, the big thing for me was that that tunnel, I'm just not a fan of, um, so it's like, like a said, video game. It's like a video game. Like the, the, when you went to the back, when we used to go to arcades and you could play car games, it looks like kind of like that. Like you sat down and like I had like a weird setup because you're you're driving in the future at some point. Yeah, I I yeah, it's definitely always you know always test drive everything forever always, but especially this one. <laughs> yeah, um, I I do like the um, the supersonic red that they offer on this, which is yes. not a color you would have traditionally associated with a Prius, uh, but on this one it works. I still think that one of my favorite things is just like putting up pictures and talking to people about this. People are like, oh my God, it looks good. Like it's a Prius. Oh, and yeah. It looks good. That's like nice. that's a sexy looking little sedan. Like whoever thought the word sexy and Prius would ever be in the exact same sentence. No, it looks, it looks know, like I mean, every oh, I'm sorry, different, go on. different, different strokes for different folks. You know, I guess people have different tastes and, you know, in their mm-hmm. private life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some if people the, might have if considered this the was the sexy. private life, there would have been a very small percentage of the population, I believe, yeah. that would have called the old Prius sexy. I'm sure There's... they're out there, Sam. <laughs> it looks like the future car in every 90s movie about the future. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so while we were out in Southern California, there was also another car that they had for us to drive. Um, the uh, The Corolla Cross Hybrid. Nicole, you want to start on the Corolla Cross Hybrid? Do I get to start in the Corolla Cross yeah. Hybrid? So, you know, there's the Corolla Cross. I feel like people still freak out because it's not a Corolla. You know, this is not the little sporty, cute little Corolla. No, it's a Corolla Cross. So it's the crossover and they couldn't have given it a more basic name by it's, calling it's, it Corolla Cross. It's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when Oldsmobile still existed and they just added Cutlass to everything. Right. Like yeah, Cutlass Supreme. It, Cutlass Cutlass. <laughs> exactly. So like, we'll keep the Corolla, but we'll make it different. So I like the Corolla Cross Hybrid. I think, you know, it has, it's, it's comfortable. It's got enough. It's not a large crossover. It's kind of small-ish, but I still felt like even in the rear seats, it doesn't cut so low that you, if you're taller, you can't sit in it. There's not a huge amount of knee room back there. So if you're, or leg room, if so, if you're going to be having people that are taller riding back there, if you have Robbie's in your life, it's going to be a little bit tight for them. Oh, Everybody Robbie's. but Robbie is probably, you, know, you Robbie's are a problem. <laughs> you're always a problem. Uh, but I feel like they made nice improvements to it. Um, I like the style of it. It looks a little bit, you know, it just, uh, overall, they just took everything that was and they just kind of, they hybrided it and made it, they just made everything a little bit better. I don't, I don't know that it's that much. I mean, were you super impressed with this, Sam? Was this a huge leap forward for you or? No, I mean, it was fine. You know, it's a, you know, it's It's a pretty basic, you know, smaller cross, you know, it's, it's not as small as, you know, something like the Hyundai Venue. Right. Yes, it's smaller than a, than a Rav Four. Yeah. But it's not it's not ridiculously small. Um, and you know, I think I think it's a it's a reasonable size 
for most people, especially, you know, if you, uh, if you don't have a lot of tall people in your life yes. um, and, you know, it's really fuel efficient, uh, you know, it gets like 40 miles per gallon or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a stand, you know, it's, it's, it's got essentially got the same powertrain that was in the old Prius and that you'll find in the Corolla uh, hybrid today, right. which is, you know, it's a, it's a very good powertrain um, in terms of efficiency. You know, it's, um, it's not an exciting powertrain by any stretch. Um, it, uh, you know, it has the, the traditional, you know, Toyota ECVT feel where, you know, when you're accelerating away from a stop, it revs up to 4,000 RPM and stays there <laughs> until you get to about 40 oh. miles an hour. Um, so it's, it's not, it's not necessarily the, um, the most pleasant powertrain experience, but it's efficient. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's, it's quite, it's, it's quite affordable. Uh, well, so yeah. I, well, and I like, they did be, it. So they've, they've given a little bit more. I, I don't want anyone to think that I'm calling this a sporty car. Cause it's not really, but it kind of is compared to the other Corolla cross. Like they, they gave it a little bit of sports stuff. Uh, they say there's a sport tuned suspension that's standard, like, a, and, and they, and they didn't have like the trim lineup. They've dropped the sort of base trims that you can get in the Corolla cross. I think it's the LE and the XLE. And we just have SSE and XSE for these. So it's got a little bit of a, but when you say sport tuned suspension, like don't expect it to feel like woohoo sports car. It's not that, but it, you can feel a little bit of a difference between the two. Um, and so it's like, it's a little bit slightly more engaging drive but it's not it's not this dramatic difference. So like they're sort of billing this a little bit as the sportier of the two Corolla crosses. Yes, but mildly so. I think is the caveat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think like yeah, get the sporty one. Sure you are. But it does have it does have a little bit, you know, they they did tune it slightly differently. So it does drive a little bit differently, a little bit better and if you want something to be a little more fun, you will get it with a hybrid in addition to the fact that you're getting better fuel economy, so that's kind of a win-win. And you can get that cool yellow paint, the yellowish gold paint. Did you like the yellowish gold paint? I, I do. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I was I was sort of uncertain on the yellowish gold paint. I didn't it, I kept looking at it I'm like It's bold. Bold. I would. I would agree. And we with need that. more bold colors on the. We road. need more. So I, I guess if you're going for bold, slightly sporty, fuel efficient, <laughs> this nails it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so pricing on the Corolla Cross Hybrid uh, starts at twenty seven thousand nine hundred and seventy dollars uh, for the S, uh, twenty nine two ninety for the SE, and thirty one thousand sixty five for the XSE. Which, which is, that's good. good. Yeah. Because it's the thing is, it's like it's not like the cheapest car in the block, but it it that's still a very reasonable price. And when you look at it content wise, like when you think about it, you got that, you know, reliability that you have with Toyota, you get the fuel economy, you get it something that looks a little sportier, a little jazzier and drives a little sportier. It's actually a pretty good deal. It's it's I feel like it's a value for what it is. And, you know, if you're if if fuel economy is a concern for you um, mm-hmm. and, you know, for a lot of people it is and it, and is. it should be. Um, you know, this thing is really efficient. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'll get about 40 miles per gallon, uh, which, you know, there's nothing to sneeze at it, it. You know, this thing does great, you know, so it's, it's a relatively affordable vehicle that is not going to bankrupt you at the, at the gas pump. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which you always think it's, that's the thing, you know, right now gas prices aren't outrageous and it's always the way, as soon as you think, well, gas prices aren't crazy right now. 
They're fine. Like, <laughs> I can buy this car that's not super fuel efficient. And then it's like, dom, dom, dom. something happens and suddenly gas prices are right back up to that. Whatever the high number was for your area, whether it's four or five. Vladimir or Putin does ten. something silly. And, right. Putin's going to uh, do a thing and he's going to mess with us all. And gas <laughs> prices are going to do a thing. And you're going to wish that you had purchased that fuel efficient hybrid. You're like, oh, uh, uh, uh. dang it. I thought I was in the clear. Stinking Putin. Yeah. Stinking uh. Putin. All right. Well, um, this past week was also the um, the New York Auto Show. Yes. And Nicole and I were both there. We, were. Uh, we talked to a bunch of people, and um, I've been trickling out the interviews uh, to the patrons first. Uh, so um, as we record this, I've already put out the interview that you did with uh, Angela Zapata, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, head of marketing at um, Hyundai. Uh, yes. I put out the interview I did with Ola B.C. Boyle. Um, who's the vice president of product planning at Hyundai. Uh, got um, Ralph Gilles, the uh, chief design officer for Stellantis. That was a fun conversation. Yeah. Um, and uh, Christian Munier and uh, Jim Morrison from Jeep. And there will be more coming out over the next week. Um, but, um, and eventually I'll add these into the, the main show as well. But if you want to hear them now, you can join us as a patron and support the show and, and hear those early. Um, but um Hyundai, um, their highlight of the show, uh, aside from winning uh, three World Car Awards for the Ionic yeah. 6. Three. Three. They That's did really sec- well. Second year in a row. The Last year, the Ionic 5 won three. They won World Car, uh, World uh, Electric Car, and uh, World Design of the Year. And they got the same three awards for the Ionic 6 this year. Well, And they also got the, not technically Hyundai, but Hyundai Group, the Kia EV6 yeah. GT uh, one performance, which is just that one freaks me out in the best way possible. Cause like, it's this really Kia, it's this like chill mainstream brand and we're going to build this EV. And it's like, and you, you're the performance vehicle of the year. That's something. Yeah. I, when I, when I drove that car, my first thought was, Oh, it's like a baby Tycon. Yeah. It's like a little baby Tycon. It's like a little baby Tycon. I really, I really, really like that car. That uh. EV6 GT. I think that I did a whole thing where I drove it for, I don't know, 400 miles or something for Ars Technica talking about how it has less range. So how many, how much more do you have to charge it? And it turns out like the timing wasn't that bad. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, the Ionic six we'd already seen before at auto shows and we've talked about it before. Um, and we, we, uh, we talked, I think last week we talked, uh, both of you had driven it and we got those impressions, but, um, the one sh- the vehicle that they were showing for the first time in at least in North America uh was the uh the, the new Kona the 2024 Kona um including the EV and they revealed some more details on that one um for North America that's coming uh, I don't know later this year did Angela I, I didn't get a chance to listen to the whole thing with Angela did she say what time when when that's going to launch I think is this is this the summer um, I don't recall her saying exactly when the car. Did I talk uh, about okay. the Kona electric launching? version? Will be available later this fall. The gas version will be on sale this summer. Okay, so um, this time around, you know, Robbie, you and your wife already have the current generation Kona. I EV. literally associate him with a Kona. Like you're never yeah, allowed I'm just to Kona sell guy. that, Robbie. You're Kona guy. <laughs> well, we're leasing it, so it, yeah. Well, and and the 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 ID buzz is coming up, so we're just like, ooh. I figure by the time we get the ID buzz, our lease will be up. You're going to have yeah. to be ID buzz guy. I don't know if I'm ready for that. We could put the dogs in it. I could yeah. put the stuff in it. That's like it's true. just, it's, 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 it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. It's 
Well, that and the BRZ. That's yeah. There you go. And the damn Jaguar. Because <laughs> you'd have to Jaguar. pay somebody to take that one away, right? Mm. No, no. I got I got an update from Carvana that it's now worth nine hundred and something dollars. Oh, really? Uh, it has a it has a it has currently it has a coolant leak, and I just replaced the hoses and the clamps, and I turned it on, and I looked and. Between two hoses is like a metal air, you know, a metal tube. And I look, and it's like a little fountain just shooting up. So now I gotta take everything leak in the the yeah. And I'm thinking maybe I should just go get some JB weld. Like it's. (laughs) 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 I feel like replacing that. You you want to wait until just before you're ready to sell it to do that, though. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. You don't. You don't want it to go too long between applying that and then, you know, somebody inspecting it. You want it yeah, to it's going to be yeah. it's going to be hot and it's getting cold and it gets hot. It's just I yeah. don't know. I got to figure out. I, anyway, the goddamn Jaguar, <laughs> bane of my well, existence. Anyway, it was free. It was free. I yeah. shouldn't complain about it. Well, there's a new there's a new Kona coming, um, and this time around, um, they're going to have two different battery sizes available. Uh, unlike the current generation Kona, uh, you get the basically the same 64.8 kilowatt hour battery, which will have essentially the same 260 miles of range. But there's also a smaller, I think it's like 48 or 49 kilowatt hour battery with 197 miles of range. Um, no information on pricing yet, unfortunately. Um, and this isn't the full EGMP platform. So this is more like with the Nero EV, the new Nero EV, where it's mm-hmm. taking some pieces from EGMP um, and some, you know, carryover stuff from the current generation EVs. So it's a 400 volt system. Uh, goes char- charges from 10 to 80 percent in 43 minutes. Um, but um, uh, it it also has the vehicle to load capability from EGMP. So you can plug in a little adapter into that charge port on the on the front uh, and get power out. Um, and, uh, I don't, yeah, they haven't given us pricing yet. Um, one interest, one, the, you know, aside from the design changing the, the biggest change, really the most fundamental change to this thing is 5.7 inches longer, which really addresses the, the only real complaint I had about the current Kona, which is the back seat is very tiny, but the back seat is tiny for dogs though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I sat in the back seat of the new Kona. I was perfectly content. Had wow. enough headroom, had wow. enough knee room. Uh, so I would be good with the Kona uh, EV. Um, so, you know, and I also, again, like the yellow color on this one. It's a different yellow than what's on the, the Corolla Cross. This one has a little more hint of a green to it. Pikachu. Um, but yeah. is, it, is it still bold? It's, it's it's definitely very bold. bold. It's bold. Okay, just I, I don't checking. know that I'd call this Pikachu yellow because the it's Pikachu, a little green. Yeah. Pikachu Pikachu is more, more pure it's like yellow. Bright. It's, yeah, it's really bright, bright. Yeah. Right. yeah. This this has got a, a hint of green in it. Okay. And, it's uh, green. <laughs> but I I like it. I like it a lot. Um, and I actually like it better uh, as the EV compared to the gas version because the EV. Um, the wheel arches, you know, these big, bold wheel arches mm-hmm. are all body color, whereas on the gas version, they're like a matte, dark gray, black, uh, you know, more crossover-ish. And I don't know, not, mm. not as crazy about it on there. You know, it all looks kind of tacked on. Uh, Do you like it all the same color? I like it. I like yeah. it all body color. Yeah. Okay. So I, I would definitely go with, with the EV uh, look. Um, and what, what do you think? 
I I like it. I think I I you know I enjoy the fact that they still have the charge board up front, so you can just pull straight in and just charge instead of doing that fifty point turn that people have to do sometimes in order to charge their their vehicles because they have to back it in. Actually, you could probably my... reach the cable on a on a supercharger too. Yeah, that's you could go to a supercharger. Biggest, you could. That's like one of my biggest gripes is when you you're trying to back in. It's like okay to get in because that guy pulled on this side and I got to pull on this side. And the angle uh... there's a post and there's a tree and there's a dumpster and you're like, can I just pull straight in? <laughs> can I just, just pull, pull straight, straight in? in? That's just all like I a want. Just like because we're all at parking spaces. They're not you know it's not a gas station. Yeah, it's, it's, it's never yeah. Spot. Just put it in the front. That would make life easier. There, for there the are a few pull throughs that are nice. But, not very yeah. many though, right? There's like one out in Barstow. There's, one. There's the, the Electrify America station. There's in, one uh, in the U.S. No. In Kalamazoo, Michigan's also you can also pull through on that yeah. one. Oh, okay, cool. They're they're angled and you can pull through. None of ours yeah, are pull through here. The ones that I've tried in New Hampshire, they're all they're all pull up to and so you have to back in although none of them i haven't seen that have little posts like the weird angled ones are the worst where you have to like angle and no don't do that yeah how do you back those like the 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 ea stations at like the walmarts yes um a lot of them you know it's angled parking and i'm like well now you have a car that has you know if you have an ionic five you gotta you gotta back into that or and some and some of them are what they do is they'll move they've moved they used to be the charging stations were at the the head of the parking right. space so now they're in between the parking spaces well, all, so they, that's the problem is they're all different depends on where you go yeah, yeah you don't know it, where you're going and, and, so it's, it, and the, uh, having it at the it, side isn't always great because depending on it might be the how tight your spot <laughs> yeah it's like you're trying to like come around like I gotta pull in here when I gotta back in here and now I now my door opens directly into the charging terminal and it's like you're doing that like oh god like it's like well I've cleaned the, the car with my clothing trying to sneak out of it and it, it's not ideal just no well, just make it I mean, as, as long as, as long as we're on this topic let's yes. address the email that you got from electrify america oh. I can't, did, we, did we talk last week about we did we, for mo- people with mobility issues yes yeah, so last week and i'm okay. I'm looking back at our last week's show notes um paul kavanaugh had asked if we had any discussion about how disabled drivers will recharge their electric vehicles so i decided to reach out to electrify america 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 because i had a contact there and how do i say his name wrong every time sam octavio navarro Octavio Navarro, um, because he had answered some questions for me before. And he said, yeah, we do. And he said, hold a second. I'll get you something. I'll, I'll get you an official statement. So I was expecting an official statement. Um, what I got um, is I will read it exactly as sent to me. Electrify America charging stations are designed and permitted to meet jurisdictional accessibility requirements for EV charging customers. Which apparently means that in most uh, most regions, um, there are no requirements for for That's accessibility thinking, for charging because most no of way. them are car- garbage. You cannot yeah. access them if you're in a wheelchair, for example. So I felt like that was like, I appreciated that he responded and he responded really quickly, but that's, that's almost like a non-response. It's like, well, we're not breaking the law. <laughs> well, great. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> but are you my, making it easier for people? Yeah. I mean, my local, my local EA station here has six chargers and it's mm-hmm. laid out with, there's a parking spot. And then there's two chargers side by side between two parking spots mm-hmm. and then two more slots and then two more chargers, two more slots, and then another slot, another slot on the other side. So six vehicles, six chargers. And there is no way that somebody in a, you know, that had a, if they were, had a wheelchair accessible vehicle, you know, if they were in a wheelchair, um, that they would be able to get to the, get the cables 
and get them plugged into their vehicle. You well, sim- was, there's simply no room to maneuver. No, around some these. of those spots, like it's like I was just saying, some of those spots are barely that I, as a fully mobile adult, can get in and out of the car mm-hmm. because there's so little clearance because they're narrow. How on earth is someone in a wheelchair supposed to get out there? They can't. They literally can't. Yeah. So I so it's uh, I I never thought of it until Paul asked that question. And I thought, gosh, that's actually that's a pretty big issue. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I know, like, for example, a lot of people, you know, that have wheelchair accessible vehicles, they're a lot, they're often based on minivans. Uh, right. You know, a lot, a lot of them are based on Chrysler Pacificas and um, Toyota Siennas. And mm-hmm. in many cases, you know, the the uh, the ramp is either on it's either going to be on the side mm-hmm. um, or at the back and the tailgate. No way. And in either case, there is no way that you are getting out of the vehicle in any of these charging stations. Like some of them, when you back into them, when you have to back in, like directly, once you're backed in enough that you can remotely reach the cable to where you need to reach it on the back of the vehicle, there is like nothing behind you. There's a wall. There's a tree. There's like something of a drop off as it goes to another level of part. Like, Literally no way to get out of the vehicle. None, zero, zip. Yeah. And I, I did actually ask um, uh, BC Boyle from Hyundai about this. You did? What did uh, she yeah. say? Because, you know, because she uh, part of her responsibility is product planning and mobility strategy. And, um, you know, because one of the things that Hyundai recently showed in Korea, uh, Hyundai's got done a lot of stuff in robotics recently. They bought Boston Robotics and they've done they've mm-hmm. done a variety of different things. They actually showed a, a robotic charger. It's it basically looks like you know like a traditional industrial robot. You know, it's basically an articulated arm with a charger on the end there. And then you know you've got sensors uh to detect where the where the charging port is and maneuver mm-hmm. in. And you know she said, yeah, I mean that's one of the reasons why they're they're looking at that sort of technology is to enable accessibility. Um and so, you know, it's good to see that at least Hyundai is thinking about this. And I know, um, you know, for example, uh, at Cruise, uh, when I visited Cruise last fall, um, they showed uh, some work that they're doing for the Cruise Origin. Now, what you know, they were doing something similar to that for for the Robo Taxi, um, so that they could, you know, automate the the charging process, so they wouldn't have to rely on people to plug the plug the vehicles in when they come in to charge mm-hmm. um but uh you know that same that same technology could be used by gm uh to to do the same thing but the problem is none of this is being to at least to my knowledge none of this is being done by the companies that actually operate the charging networks it's being it's done by bizarre. automakers like i feel like it should be something that charge it's it's almost like I, it's terrible that i didn't think of it until the question was posed to us but mm-hmm. absolutely bizarre that none of the companies thought should we at least have one truly handicap accessible charging station at each of our, like you, like you think of like, you walk into a women's room, there's always one stall for handicapped people. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter if there's got more stuff. room, there's a larger always, door. Right, there's you always room one and you might around. have to wait for it. It's not like every stall is handicap accessible, but there is one. Mm-hmm. It's like that there isn't a similar kind of thing at most charging stations when really it's just space issue. You know, it, it's surprising to me. I was surprised, genuinely surprised. Yeah, I think you know the charging companies need to do better. Um, and, you know, not not just for those you know in wheelchairs, but for everybody. I mean, if you're older, for example, I mean, you right? know, it, with those DC charging cables, when they get when it's cold, those oh, things get very stiff, and it's hard to maneuver those things and get them plugged in. 
Uh, and you know, if, if you, you know, if you have arthritis, you know, and you, you may have some limited strength in your arms or your, your wrists or hands, you're, you're also going to have a very hard time with those. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to think about the fact that like, okay, there are definitely issues in terms of accessibility, not just for the average adult, but just for the very many of us who are not average adults, you know, there's so many people with various issues that make it difficult for them to use a gas pump. Those same issues exist when it comes time to get a charger in, or perhaps in some situations, even more challenging. And there's there's nothing that I've seen that really addresses this. The the other, you know, the other thing you mentioned, gas pumps. So you go to a gas station, there's always, even if it's, you know, if you're outside of New Jersey or Oregon, where you're still not allowed to pump your own gas, there's somebody working there. There's an right. attendant yeah. there, you know, working in the convenience store. The thing it says, and push you, a button if you need help. Yeah. Right. And they can come out and, and assist you. So if you're in a chair, you know, instead of getting out of the vehicle, you can, you can get some assistance. None yeah. of these charging, almost none of these charging stations are in that sort of scenario. So but we you need would, more You of literally that. have to rely on the kindness of a stranger to a mm-hmm. point. Like if you saw someone who was struggling at a, you know, or was in a situation like, hey, do you want me to plug in your car for you? But what if you're there and there's no one there? Like, you yeah. know, I think we're all good people and we would help other people when we see they need help. But what if you're not, what if there's not anybody there to help you? Like literally yeah. you would have to have just some other person who happened to be charging their vehicle at the same time and noticed, hey, that that person, that guy needs some help. He's never going to be able to plug that in that way. Let me see mm-hmm. if I can give him a hand, <laughs> you know? All right. Um, let's jump to the other side of the Hyundai Motor Group fence uh, with Kia. Um, yes. They showed the EV9 publicly, uh, at least in North America, for the first time. I don't know if they showed it in Korea publicly. I don't but, think so. Um, you know, we, we got to see it. We got to sit in it. Um, and it's pretty cool. You know, for – it, we, you know, we've had questions in the past about, you know, electric three row utilities. Um, and right now, you know, it's pretty limited. You've got the Rivian R1S, mm-hmm. the Mercedes EQS, you know, the, the Tesla Model X, you know, although the third row's, you know, very limited headroom. Um, and that's basically it, I think. I don't, I can't think of anything else right now except those three. And they're all, you know, $100,000 plus vehicles. Right. And the EV9, you know, is a Telluride sized vehicle that is probably going to start somewhere around $50,000. That's what the guess is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, probably go up into mid to upper 60s maxed out. Um, what did you, well, I mean, you've seen, you saw the EV9 in Korea. I did. You've had time to spend a little more time with it in, in New York. What'd you think? Yeah. I mean, I got a really like a good deep dive of it when I was in Korea and then to see it in New York, they had a better color in New York. They had very plain colors and like they had this uh, sort of blue color, the one that they had on display in New York that looked really good. Um, I like this from the beginning. I mean, it has, I think just, it's such a neat proposition in terms of giving families who aren't necessarily looking for a luxury option, who are on a budget, who need a three row vehicle they can get it with this. Like, yeah, there's cheaper options out there, but like starting at around 50, that's not crazy for a three row SUV. That is affordable. That is like, if your family is looking at that, it's not like you're going to get one for 20 grand. You know what I mean? So it's in the realm of affordability for people. I think this, you know, the technology that has with those, I love how the infotainment screen, like it's the infotainment and then a small screen that is HVAC and then your digital instrument cluster. And it's like one big screen, but it's technically three. It looks like one as you glance at it across the dashboard. I think 
that looks good. The versatility of it with how that second row seats move around. Um, not in North America, though. Yeah, I know. That's not North America. Ooh, we don't get the but swivel seats. Like that, we don't get the swivel seats. We don't get it, but I loved that. So, like, maybe someday, who knows, whatever safety, whatever reason. But it's still, it's just <laughs> safety. Pshaw. Um, it's overrated. I, it's overrated. But just the openness of it, the comfort of it, the features. And I think it's. I'm excited about it because I think it's going to open up EV. It's going to open up EVs to people who are like, we can't ever get one of those. We have, we have three kids. We can't afford to buy a luxury car. We can't do it. It's not going to happen. So they've completely crossed that off their list. Now, Hey, guess what? You can put that on your list. I, so I like the style. I like the features. I like the technology. Uh, I like where, where they're going with this in terms of a brand is what it could mean for future product. I think it's great. Uh, so I'm excited about this. I'm hoping they can make like, you know, these cool cars can wait like, wow, it's like, yeah, we're going to have five next week. And then you're going to have to wait for months. Like I'm hoping they're able to produce it. Like, come on, once you get out there, like start making it. Cause I think it's going to sell like crazy. I genuinely think oh, people yeah. are going to buy this. It's going to like, I think Kia is just printing money and good for them that they came up with a vehicle that does it that well. Like if you make a vehicle that everybody wants at a price that people think is fair and everyone wants to buy it and you're making bank, then you did something good for everybody. So have at it. So I'm then, excited about it. And then they keep winning awards, which I mean, I, right? this time next year. <laughs> well, they, right? they also, they did announce in New York that the, uh, the EV nine, um, they're going to launches production in South Korea this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be available in North America in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah. But next year in 2024, they're going to add production uh, at their plant in West Point, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they should have significantly oh, more capacity when that uh, when that goes online. Yeah. So hopefully with all of that, they'll be able to to keep up with demand because I feel like people are I feel like people are ready to have EVs and it's not be something for an exclusive set. You know, yeah. there's still something of that perception. It's not a crossover. It's not right. a luxury vehicle. I mean, it's it's either luxury vehicles or luxury crossovers. Right? Well it's like it's like let's let's get something like you want it to be mass market. You want people to buy in. You want people to accept it. Then build things that the mass market can actually get behind. This is one of those vehicles. Yeah, and it's a yeah. Telluride that's electric. Kia yeah. makes good electric yeah. powertrains. Kia makes good Telluride. And they have to really mess up to make this a bad car. Yeah. Right? It has to go really sideways in a way that none of us can see for this to be They're a like, fail. Whoopsie. What and, happened? Well, yeah. And I, I, I talked to uh, Mike Wilde, the head of product planning for uh, Kia. Um, and uh, one of the things uh, that he mentioned is that, you know, overseas they've announced that uh, the EV9 is going to be available with a level three automation system, which means mm. you can go hands off and eyes off. You don't have to supervise. We're not going to have that in North America, uh, at least to start with, but it will have uh, a hands-free uh, eyes-on system, similar to Super Cruise, Blue Cruise, uh, ProPilot 2. Um, so it's got driver monitoring system, and it has LiDAR. It's got two LiDAR sensors in the front uh, to help with with the perception. So uh, it'll be the certainly the most affordable vehicle uh, yet with LiDAR in North America. You uh, look at the specs, and it's just like, oh, this is a hundred volt charging. You can, you, you know, you can. You would, you would think this is a hundred thousand dollar plus vehicle. You right? know, it's got a heat pump. I mean, all the things that you're sort of like, oh, these are the things I want in an EV. You're like, oh, oh, it has all those things. It, it has all the things you want. I mean, it, it's they've done a good job on packaging on this. I, I mean, they put a lot into this. They really want it to be a big deal, and I think it is going to be. I genuinely think this is like a big deal vehicle because there's uh, not. You have no other. 
there aren't the first ones really do it and look like they've done it right and affordably. And I I'm excited for them. Well, speaking of powering your home, let's jump yes. to Stellantis for a couple of minutes. Okay. Um, we saw the 2024 Jeep Wrangler, which looks pretty much the same as the 2023 Wrangler, uh, <laughs> but does have some some important updates uh, to it. Uh, and also, um, we saw the Ram 1500 Rev, the EV, for the first time in public. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wrangler, um, mid-cycle refresh, all-new interior, 12-inch screen, um, and they now have um, power output from the charge port with the power box. And the power box is basically like a fancy power strip that plugs into your charge port on the on the Wrangler 4xE and gives you four outlets with up to 3.6 kilowatts of power. Um, and you can also order the, the Wrangler from 2024 with a front bumper that includes an integrated 8,000 pound worn winch. Uh, first time it's been available as a factory fit. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's been crash tested and everything. They've It's got a bumper Ooh. that's specifically designed for this. Um, any, any thoughts on the, the updated Wrangler? I mean, I think it's just like it, it takes what was already pretty darn good off a vehicle and gives a little few more little, little like bells and whistles. I think it's good. I think the bigger screen is good. I think the winch is cool. Um, and being able having that, um, power box, that's a big deal. Cause these people are out and about wherever they are on the trail. That's kind of a cool feature. if you need a power for something. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the other thing from my conversation with Christian and Jim, uh, is, uh, the, um, sale, the, the take rate for the four by E the plug-in hybrid mm-hmm. is now up to 38%. Oof. And for 2024, they're adding four by E to the sport trim, the, the, the more affordable trim. Um, and they are projecting that they're going to get to over 50% penetration for the plug-in wow. hybrid on the Wrangler, uh, next year. Somehow this just doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's been, it's been a really well received vehicle from the minute it came out. I don't know what the numbers are now. One point in time, it was the best selling plug-in hybrid. It still is. And is the it Grand still Cherokee, holding that? the Grand Cherokee four by E is number two. That's, that's pretty incredible. Like if you were looking at that, we're the best selling. Well, let's put this on more stuff. How quickly yeah. can we make this other things, put it on more things, you know? So yeah, I think that I think easily it's going to continue to, to be popular and, you know, with good reason it's it's i i have one i'm biased i should yeah. you know caveat caveat i own one and i love it so there you go <laughs> i just like all the the knobs and the buttons and the switch everything yeah all the little the switches wrangler. and things all the little switches and things with, you like turn this turn this twist that. that push that in do that oh the doors come off yeah yeah there's all sorts of cool stuff <laughs> shift, all right shift this and then uh we finally got some specs on the ram 1500 rev um with the, the base version is going to, it's projected to have 350 miles of range. The big battery version, 229 kilowatt hours, 500 miles of range. That's a lot. Yeah. Which means that even when you hook up a 14,000 pound trailer, you might still get 200 miles. Exactly. That's the thing though. Like if it has that much when it's like, sure. okay, if you're not t- towing anything, but that's the big problem you tow and suddenly you're, 250, 300 mile truck gets like five, <laughs> you know, yeah. if you start that high, when you to- put stuff on the back, you'll actually get usable range. Yep. Is this an 800? This is, this has to be an 800. <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, it does charge at 350 kilowatts. Yes. Okay. But it's All actually, right. it's, it's more like the, the, the system that GM has oh, on GM, the big trucks, the, the Hummer, where it's a, a 400 slash 800 volt. Yeah, so it charges at 800 volts or... by splitting the voltage between the two layers of the battery. Okay. Um, 
but That's I mean, fine. you know, they said as long as you know, it charges two hundred twenty nine kilowatts. Yeah, it'll 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 add. Uh, you know, they say it'll add um, one hundred and fifteen miles of range in ten minutes. You know. That's of course that's when you're at fairly low state of charge, but yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, for a truck, uh, it'll it'll do. Um, Just your regular 80 percent you charge during your regular day, you still have four hundred miles of range in a giant truck. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's cool stuff. Yep. Um, All right, last couple items here. just a reminder not to uh, walk naked in front of your Tesla. Oh my gosh, this is hilarious. I want to be like, people can be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the problem is, um, you know, there was a report that came out a few days ago uh, from Reuters. Uh, and this is not the first time this has happened. You know, Tesla, <laughs> as, as we know, you know, they, they like to talk about it all the time, how they upload data from their cars that they use to make autopilot and, and FSD better. Uh, so they upload short video clips. Um, and it turns out that some Tesla employees have been sharing video clips that may contain information that is not necessarily relevant for training AI models, uh, <laughs> but that they find personally amusing, um, and creating memes from this and sharing it around their coworkers, um, and including clips of, you know, some gentleman who happened to go out in his garage without any clothes on, uh, but had the sentry mode turned on, on his Tesla for, you know, for, for theft protection. And it captured that and, and uploaded that automatically without his knowledge. Um, and there was also apparently clips of couples in intimate situations. Um, yeah. So, you know, keep in mind that, uh, that your Tesla, um, has, uh, has a lot of cameras on it. And unlike most cars, those cameras may be running when the car is turned off. Yes. Um, and recording stuff and uploading it to Tesla. And there are employees at Tesla who are, have, let's say less than ideal judgment. You know, they, they, they are taking inspiration from their CEO. Um, and so you definitely want to uh, be careful. It's, it's reprehensible. Yeah, I mean, it is. The, the idea that, you know, all this data, we, we, we talk to automakers about this data and we say, okay, how are you anonymizing this data? How are you making sure that this data isn't connected to this person? Because, and they're like, oh, you know, we do this and this and this and this, you know, they have all the, these answers that, you know, and then we find out Tesla's like, eh, we're not really doing it. And we're also sharing it. It's such well, a good thing. The latter part is, is the bigger thing. Cause even if they were properly anonymizing it, they're, they're still you know, sharing the fact it. that they're sharing it amongst themselves is and all the thing, it- like, don't you wonder? It's like, okay, so you think at some point you've got that data coming in and it's not going out to, you know, all the way down to the guy in the assembly line. Like there should be a select group of people that are getting all that data or have access to that at any given moment. But like really whoever you've given access to in that group, there's enough of them that are like, woohoo, let's share this. Make yeah, pictures of Susie uh... and bring her stuff to the trash in the garage. Like I, it just seems like such a, it's like, where's the line? Where's the security? It's a top-down problem. Right? It? Like, yeah. that just should not, it doesn't seem like that should be. Because there's like, like one guy, and it's probably a guy. If there's one guy <laughs> who's doing it, and everyone's like, hey, you, dude, you can't be doing this, and everyone's getting mad. But apparently it's a it's a system. <laughs> that was it. It wasn't like it was like, you know, Bob, stop. Don't share any more pictures. Sorry, Bob, you sorry. need to it's stop like, this. And- right. It wasn't just Bob. It was it was many, many, many bobs. <laughs> and it's just it's the culture of like, ha, 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 look at this. They're like, dude. Mm-hmm. dude. Everybody at Tesla needs to go through the uh, the two-hour 
um, you know, preventing uh, harassment video training uh, thing that I did on Friday afternoon. There you um, go. Yeah. Because, yeah. Just, <sighs> if you work at Tesla, just stop. Don't do this it's, shit. It's just I know, every time, I know uh, your CEO, you know, finds this kind of stuff amusing, but don't do it. Because you're just, oh, you're just shooting your. Oh, you're going to lose your yeah, job. Yeah. Uh, 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 so Robbie, tell us about something something funny you saw before uh, Nicole has to dash off to take her daughter to the oh, airport. Oh, so yes. I uh, the so last night I went to go see Sunny Day Real Estate, wonderful band, one of my favorite bands uh, in San Francisco. And as I walk out of the uh, Regency Ballroom on Van Ness, there are two. There is a Waymo and a cruise vehicle, both like in like driving side by side down the road. All right, fine. Well, at one point. <laughs> The cruise, it's in the left-hand lane, Waymo's in the right-hand lane, decides it wants to get into the right-hand lane, but it can't because the Waymo's there. <laughs> and then the Waymo decides it wants to get in the left-hand lane. So they both have their blinker on, and they both are sort of edging toward each other to like almost on the verge of smash, and then they're stopping, <laughs> and they're starting, and they're stopping, and they're starting. And I'm just watching this, and I'm like, this is our new uh, – these are our robot overlords who can't figure out which – they both want to be in the other lane. But both of them are confused by the fact that the vehicle next to them isn't acting how they would expect another car to act. So they're just like almost hitting each other, almost hitting each other, almost hitting each other. And it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. And on the back of the cruise now, they now have a little sticker that says may, like, may stop quickly or may stop suddenly. Because mm -hmm. that was an issue whenever – when I lived in the cities, you'd be driving or, or riding or whatever and behind a cruise all of a sudden it was just stop and you're like oh Jesus Christ what the hell is going on so it's like the learner's permit like you know you see the student driver stickers on like the magnets you can put um, on your car it's like the student driver please be ready <laughs> well a friend of mine has has one of those on the back of his Tesla with FSD beta yeah oh it yeah. is yeah. student driver <laughs> sticker on there so the cruise and the Waymo systems uh yeah they're they, student you know, drivers they're, they're they're both you know trying to get uh, you know, they they both want paid ride hailing service, you know, driverless ride hailing services in San Francisco. They both want to open that up. And I'm just watching that happen. And I'm going, like, nope, nope, not yet. Not yet, guys. Thought it would resolve itself. So I, was, I, I would have taken a video because I thought it would resolve itself relatively quickly within like a few seconds. <laughs> like a good like five, ten seconds of him, them like sort of blocking, blocking. Who goes? Who goes? Who goes? Not being sure like which lane to be in. And I'm just like, oh. Oh, robots. It's like they're too <laughs> polite to each other. Like they, it's like they're Midwesterners. Like you go, no, you go, no, there after you, you. no, after uh, you. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they need to have some sort I was, of. I really expected them to smash into one another at some point because they got pretty close <laughs> to each other. Well, I, I wrote an article, I don't know, five or six years ago when the first time a Waymo vehicle crashed into a bus, um, you know, about how. You know, this was a, another example of, you know, why you needed vehicle to vehicle communications, especially for automation. So the vehicles know what the other is trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, then you need to have some sort of standard standardized method of negotiation between vehicles. You know, so that, I mean, if they both want to switch lanes, it's like, OK, I'll I'll slow down. You can get ahead and you can get in this lane and I'll get in your lane. You know, it's. That you was know, part of the if dream. It was humans, you know, for humans, we do that sort of thing all the time. We use nonverbal communications. You know, we'll, you know, wave we our hand and signal way. to somebody. And say, okay, go ahead. You know, I'll even eye that. contact is like yeah. huge, a huge, huge. Right, thing you just yeah. look and you do that, street, like, oh, right? you're, huh? yeah, huh? you, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. none of that. Yeah, a little, little, a little wave, a little thank yeah. you. 
yeah, the robots apparently but robots don't have that. They just like they just keep both keep trying to get into the the other's lane yeah. while next to each other. It was, it was just <laughs> just watching it, and after the show, and I was like, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, let's see. Um, Nicole, do you need to run to take? I do. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna disappear, gentlemen. Yeah, I'm gonna take my all child right. to the airport. So, guys, I am out, and I will be we'll with talk you to next you next week. time. Bye. All right. Um, Robbie, let's you and I answer a couple of questions. Um, let's see. Rich asked, uh, in the near future, I'll be purchasing a new Toyota RAV4. However, I just came across several articles about car hacks and hackers taking control of cars. Can you recommend any articles or have you written about this subject? It well, I mean, I, so I, I, used, have... I used to write about hacking. I, that yeah. was like my my thing before I was a car journalist. I was a, I wrote about hacking all the time. And is there, I mean, every, nothing is hacker proof. So let's just, let's just mm-hmm. lay down the baseline. Everything in the world can be hacked. You, you can be hacked. That's, and that's how most people get, most things get hacked is through humans. Um, I, you know, you, it's, it's I mean, we, you, what, what happens is, I mean, recently what's really nice is that people really got on Hyundai, uh, Hyundai Motors case about their vehicles, um, being able to be stolen relatively simply. Um, and first they were getting out the club, which was, you know, kind of hilarious, but mm, what? <laughs> and then, and then they decided that, you know, they're, 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 you know, they're, 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 they're pushing out a fix. So yeah. So every vehicle essentially can be hacked. You can, you know, and it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't even have to be, you know, uh, something like what Hyundai, the Hyundai Motor Company was was dealing, or Hyundai Motor Group was dealing with. And, and I mean, that wasn't even a communications based hack. I mean, that was just, physical they they had you know gone decided to cheap out on something and you know somebody that was there you know if you've got physical access to something you can do bad things to it that's yeah so the, so there's there's that especially the physical access thing is, is a big deal because i remember there was a a, a big uh, infosec uh person a big security researcher who the year before had done this really big um, you know, ha, had exposed this really big hack, and the next year at DefCon, um, so I used to go to Def, this big hacker conference every every summer in Las Vegas. Um, they had another thing, but it required physical. They had to be actually get into the car in order to do it. So DefCon said no. We're like, this is you know, you can if you can get into the car, you can get into the car. If you're in the car, then you just take the car. So um, you know, it's you you know, I, I Rich, I. I really wouldn't be that concerned. I mean, I have a Hyundai. I wasn't really worried about anyone stealing my Hyundai. Um, even if I had an old Hyundai, I would be like, well, you know, um, I have insurance. That's the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's, uh, there, you know, there's some really, you know, like Brian Krebs, uh, Kim Zetter, uh, Violet Blue. I mean, there's a lot of really, really great um, uh, InfoSec reporters out there um, who you can, you know, sort of see what they're, what they're working on and what they're doing. Um and then, you know, every year, DEF CON, uh, it's big, you know, I talked about a big hacker conference. And if you just follow the coverage of that, that because they have a big um, uh, car hacking village. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you can just kind of follow that every summer and see, like, what's what's the thing that's happening? What are people talking about? And and that can give you, you know, some insight into, you know, how vehicles are being hacked. A lot of it's relay hacking, which is essentially taking your 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 key fob because the key fob has a little radio in it, and your your, your car has a little like receiver. And you know, they have they have to be within like a few feet of each other for your car uh, unlocks. Well, you use this like sort of relay. Essentially, you're just sort of boosting that signal 
in order for your key for the car to think that your key fob is right next to the car, even though it's inside the house. That's you know that's really how most people have been stealing cars for the last I don't know like ten years at this point. Um, but that's becoming even more difficult. I mean, I think at one yeah because they're they're transitioning to ultra wideband now. Yeah, uh, which is much more secure. Yeah. So yeah. So we're so everyone's getting smarter about um, how they uh, how they how they build their cars, and it really comes down to security researchers finding these holes, finding these vulnerabilities, and sharing them with the automakers, or in the case of like you know again the, the Hyundai Motor Group, um, just being shamed into to fixing it. So it's is it an issue? Yes. Is it always going to be an issue? Yes. It'll always this, this will always be an issue. Um, I wouldn't be too concerned about buying a new Toyota Rav Four. And no, about it. and you know, I mean, I've I've done a bunch of stuff on cybersecurity as part of my day job, automotive cybersecurity. Uh, you know, and you know, as vehicles get more and more connected, you know, you've got more potential attack surfaces. Uh, and you know, you combine connectivity and some automation, and there's the potential for bad things to happen. Um, you know, getting you know accessing a vehicle remotely it has never been easy. Uh, you know when um, Charlie Miller and Chris Valasek did it on a Jeep back in 2015. You know, it was it was not an easy thing to do. They figured out a way to do it to access the vehicle remotely and take some control of it. Um, prior to that, some researchers from University of Washington had done the same thing with GM OnStar. You know, both of those were fixed fairly quickly. Um, since then, you know, the auto industry, automakers, and suppliers have gotten together. They formed something called an ISAC. Information Security and, and Awareness uh, Center, or, or Information Sharing and, and Awareness and Analysis Center. Um, and there's these ISACs exist in a lot of different industry verticals and in banking and healthcare and aerospace. And, and there's the auto ISAC um, where they, you know, they have the ability to share information about hacks and, and best practices and everything. Over the last decade, you know, up until about 2015, 2014, 2015, most automakers didn't take the problem too seriously. Uh, but since then, you know, they, you know, they've since all... OnStar, OnStar really like smacked them all in the face. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, so now they they do uh, take it much more seriously. You know, they all have internal uh, teams that are focused on building in security from the ground up as they design these systems, which is what you have to do. You have to design it with security in mind. You can't patch it after the fact. And so as they're developing these newer generation electronic architectures and software platforms, you know, they are taking that into account. By the way, uh, Valasek and Miller, the guys who did the Jeep hack, they work for Cruise now. They're in charge of cybersecurity at Cruise. So you know they're trying to make sure those vehicles are are secure. As you said, they'll never. You can never guarantee absolute security in a complex system, um, but you know they're doing what they can uh, to make them as secure as possible. You know, the problem is you've got all these pieces. You know, the chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And you know, if you've got a backend system, you know, a cloud system that is easily penetrated, you know, that may be the way that somebody gets in and gets access to a whole fleet of vehicles. So you have to secure all of these pieces of it. The only way to make sure that your car never gets hacked remotely is to drive something old that's not connected, <laughs> like my Miata. 
Just like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Or or your or your Jaguar. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And you know just the, like BSG. The, the Ronald D. Moore uh Battlestar Galactica. You know, the, the only ship that didn't get uh killed by the Cylons was the one was the oldest ship in the fleet that wasn't connected. So yeah. um all right. Next but up. I don't worry about Cylons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh leith asked uh i'm itching to buy a sporty ev so i've been slowly tracking what's out and what's coming uh i've been driving corvettes for 14 years and before that pontiac solstices uh and a porsche 924 so my true love is the two-seater cars uh, well technically the 924 was not a two-seater but we'll let that slide uh <laughs> unfortunately with usa going more suv and evs not lending to smaller lighter cars yet it'll be some time until there's options uh, so to keep myself uh, occupied till then, I've just been tracking what's coming, uh, looking for any feedback on vehicles I might have missed, uh, only looking at cars less than 100000 and not Tesla, don't like the looks and interior, don't find them sporty handling, and Elon. Uh, so uh, what do you think? Um, you know, this this came from the Discord. and um, uh, He has a nice little, like, a little uh, spreadsheet, which I am a huge yeah. fan of. So, so you're... You, you. Now, now I want to be your best friend because I, <laughs> I, I make a lot of spreadsheets for a lot of things, <laughs> for reporting, for bands, for just random fun. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the, you know, in, in the in this chart he included in the in the uh, uh, in the discord, you know, he mentions vehicles like an Alpine uh, A1, Alp, sorry, Alpine A110 EV uh, coming in a couple of years, probably not going to come to the U.S. market. Uh, the MG Cyberster also probably not coming to the U.S. market. Um, yet the BMW i40 M50, not a two-seater. Uh, Fiat 500, a Barth. Um, I, it might that, as well that, be a two-seater. That, don't yeah, even. I exactly. don't know what those back. I, I haven't had a Fiat 500. Come. I don't uh, know why they even have yeah. a rear seat in the, in the Fiat 500. It, yeah, same with the Mini Cooper SE. There's a new generation electric uh, Mini Cooper coming next next year. Um, there's a, the Porsche 17, 718, um, uh, Boxster and Cayman, uh, which are coming as electric, um, Prius prime doesn't really fit what you're looking for. Um, Lotus type one thirty five crossover, um, the, uh, VW ID. Yeah. So, I mean, basically everything on this list here is n not except for you like know, the Corvette, I've, uh, C9. I'm going to I'm gonna, you know, what I'm gonna say for 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 just fun value, um, just keep an eye on Mini, yeah, because the Cooper SE is just such a fun electric vehicle. You you have those two those seats in the back, so you can you know you, you can sit in them if you want. Um, find a two. I mean, it's just hard to get a two seater anyway in the United States at this point. Um, good luck with that. Just in general, I think before you know, it's it's gonna be a while before we see two seater EVs just because. All the work that goes into building EV, they're still more expensive than a gas vehicle, and if you, you're going to have to, so it means you have to sell more. And two seaters just don't sell very well. That's just, you know, sadly, that's true. But so I would totally, if if I were you, I'd just keep an eye on what Mini is doing. If you have a chance to drive a Leaf, um, not a Leaf, Jesus. If you have a chance, don't drive a Leaf because that's the exact opposite of what <laughs> you want. Uh, if you have a chance to to buy the uh, to drive the the Mini SE, the Cooper SE. I think he'll be like, oh, and so yeah. So it'll it, if if they can keep that sort of feel with their next generation of of electric minis, and yeah, they're gonna that that's gonna be the fun sort of uh, vehicle. And then maybe someday we'll get a. Well, there's yeah. also the uh, the Polestar uh, O2, the production. The, was is it gonna be the Polestar oh, Six? Yeah. I think the convertible. They have the, the O2 concept. 
uh, which they showed last year. That's coming as a production model in 2026. Uh, that one might uh, might fit. Uh, we'll see. I don't know how if it's going to hit that hundred thousand dollar mark. Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's but, tough because Polestar is they're, they're not cheap. They they yeah. and they they are very upfront that we we do not make you know we're not cheap. Uh, the indicative price of the final car is two hundred thousand dollars. Oh, okay, maybe not that one. <laughs> uh, but you know, in in the um, uh, you know, in the Discord, uh, Andy C uh, responded with the Ionic Six GT. There's also an Ionic Six N coming. Uh, oh you know, yeah. So that's a sedan, uh, but you know, I mean, that one's going to have you know basically the same kind of performance you get in the um, in the EV6 GT, the key EV6 GT, and the Genesis GV60 uh, performance. Um, you know, and you know, Lee said, you know, no no SUVs or crossovers. Um, you know, the EV6 GT, although it is technically classed as a crossover, it's the a EV6, wagon. it's 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 a <laughs> yeah, it's a sport wagon. It's it's not a crossover. Uh, I, I would I would definitely take a serious look at the EV6 GT. Um, that it's one really is fun. It's yeah. a fun. It's a really fun, and it has drift mode. So yeah, you know, if you well, if and you then find of course a track or an empty parking lot. Yeah, and then of course next year, you know, we've got the Dodge Charger, uh, the Charger EV coming next oh, in 2024. I just, I just feel like that thing's gonna handle like a brick. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but you know, there's there's Alfa Romeo EVs coming in the next couple of years. Oh, those yeah. those could be very interesting. Um, uh, you know, and also, oh, speaking of Alfa Romeo, um, I think somebody had asked somewhere and I don't remember exactly where, um, about the, it was, I think it was, I think it was in the discord, but somebody had asked about the, uh, Tenali platform, the Tenali and Hornet platform, whether, you know, thinking, thinking that it was basically the same platform as the compass. And I actually asked, um, somebody from uh, Stellantis this week and it's not. Uh, it's actually it, there's some shared componentry, but it is a fundamentally it's bigger than the compass. It is fundamentally different in a lot of ways um, from the compass platform. It, it's you could think of it kind of as a next generation compass. But, um, you know, that's that's what, you know, I think what Alpha is doing there with the Tenali, you know, is maybe a good indication of where they're going. You know, with the next generation Julia and Stelvio, so and obviously you don't want the Julia or the Stelvio, but uh, the Julia uh, EV could be very interesting. So um, there, there's there's a lot of fun stuff coming. I'm, um, I'm still gonna just point to the to the mini. I think I think for what they're the sort of what you're looking for is or the EV60 T or the i4 M50. I know the i4 M50 is heavy. That's I, I saw it, but it's the the way they you know they've i think again i think everyone yeah. after they drove the um after the the tycon came out every automaker drove that car i'm like okay let's go back to chassis and fix this yeah and yeah I, i've got an i4 m50 coming in a couple of weeks um and i've driven it briefly last year and was really really impressed with it it's yeah. shockingly good yeah um hmi asked what can you tell us about the future of gmc chevy branded infotainment software and how apple users will interact with it uh should i just buy a car with apple carplay today or will this unknown future be okay for apple users too i can just buy whatever 20 whatever 2024 i want later um yeah a lot depends on your use of google services you know if you use google maps um and google contacts and stuff like that and depending on what apps, you know, what media apps you use, if there are Android versions of it, you'll be fine 
with the Android Auto version. Um, you know, because but it's only EVs. So if you're talking yeah, about it's only, car, it's only on the if you're EVs, talking about yes. getting a gas car, yeah. you're just gonna you can you'll have you'll have Apple CarPlay for who knows how long and forever, yeah, at least a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, I think yeah, you know, I think if they can get through this EV launch and things don't blow up too much in their faces, then they may decide, yeah, okay, we can do this for the uh, for the gas cars too. But I chatted, I chatted with 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 GM about this the other day after I wrote an article, um, and it's I really and then my my takeaway and my 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 discussion with them with you know they they want to make you know a really really great infotainment system. I'm a, but my my still my my feeling is like you should have made the big great infotainment system and then made it so and then people are like oh okay I I'm not using CarPlay anymore because of this yeah like you know MBUX I've rarely used CarPlay in MBUX um you know I use it for voice for for voice texting and that's really about it I'm 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 still using CarPlay in other in other automakers cars so you you gotta like you gotta best MBUX. And then you can say, okay, we're going to take this away after, but you have to really, and I really think they, I think they just jumped the gun on this. I think they could have. Yeah. They should have, they should have done it in a different sequence. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I, when I was in New York, I asked a bunch of different automakers about this and all of them said, basically, we have no current plans to remove smartphone projection. Um, You know, our, our goal is, you know, what you just said is to make, make our system good enough that people will want to use it yeah. um, instead of the, the projection. But none, that's of, them, what Mercedes none of them absolutely wanted to do. Like, like five years ago, Mercedes yeah. is like, we want to be better than CarPlay. And we want, you know, and so they've been working on it and they've been working on it and they've been working on it. And so, but they're still offering CarPlay because they know people are still using it, but they, you know, they don't, you know, none of them want CarPlay and they don't want phone mirroring in their car. They want to own the whole mm. shebang, but they have to live in the world that they've, you know, essentially they created. <laughs> right. Because, you know, part of it, you know, there were, there were two factors, you know, one was they had mediocre software, but it was also running on mediocre hardware. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, the they were running on low powered microcontrollers that didn't have the performance necessary for what they were trying to do with the software. So the whole thing was just garbage. (laughs) Notably my Ford touch, AKA sync version two. Oh man. Was atrocious because they, you know, they had software that was running on way underpowered hardware. It crashed all the time. It was slow. Uh, You know, I mean, that was one of the most notorious ones. And, you know, when they, um, you know, when they replaced it with sync three, um, it got a lot better because they, they put much more powerful compute hardware on there. It's still not perfect, but it's a lot better than it was. Um, and now, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, transition to even more powerful chips in there. You know, you've got, depending on who you're looking at, in most cases, it's either NVIDIA, um, you know, uh, in some cases, uh, you know, like the Parker and Pascal chips or, or even, um, in some cases, the uh, uh, Xavier chips running the uh, the infotainment system, and or um, you know Qualcomm Snapdragon chips have way more performance than anything they've used in the past. Oh yeah. And so these systems are getting way better. Um, you know, and they've you know these automakers have also hired most of them have also hired a lot of designers and 
people with uh, experience writing software for mobile platforms, you know, for phones and for tablets. Lucid uh, hired the Apple guy. Yeah, Mike Bell, you know, came yeah. from Apple. Nice guy. Um, and so Real it's smart. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's getting a lot better. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, probably in the next five years, we probably will see um, you know, Android Auto and CarPlay go away from more vehicles rather than the other way around. I don't I think that, you know, this was a bridge technology. It's not the end state. And that's the thing is that CarPlay isn't that great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the fact that CarPlay still, whenever someone sends you a text or you reply to a text, it takes over the entire screen. Why? Why yeah. does it take over the entire screen? That makes zero sense. <laughs> it doesn't need – I like you're coming up to an intersection, you need to turn left, and all of a sudden it's all – you're like, oh, I need to reply to this text with my voice. And then you start talking, and you're like, oh, no, what do I do? What do I do? Because you can't do anything because they haven't updated car screen. It's not like CarPlay is like this awesome, like wonderful, perfect thing. It's sort of a mess, and they don't. Well, really... Especially if you're using it wirelessly. If if you're using, and the same is true for Android Auto. If you're using either one of them wireless, you know, without plugging it into a USB port, oh boy, are they? Um, they're shaky. They they, yeah. they they often lose connection and you know they're they're not good. Go wonky. It's yeah. you know it's it's yeah it's not like these are, are great systems. This is, it was the best that was available and now everyone's very comfortable with it. And now the automakers not, need to make sure that they create systems that people are comfortable with before they say, hey, we're just not going to do this anymore. Because right now it's still for most cars, it's still the best option for, for what people want to do. Cause it has everything they want. They have three different cars. Every car has a different you, you know, system. And they're like, you know, if I just plug in my phone and it has my Google maps or it has my Apple maps it has my, you know, my, where I want to go, then it's going to work. Yeah. All right. Uh, finally, we've got a couple of questions from M Burns. Uh, first Mr. one. Burns. Sorry. <laughs> Hey, you never know. You know, it could be him. I hope it's Mr. Burns. You know, hey, M, Monty. Yeah. Monty, Montagip, C. Montgomery Burns. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Sorry. Sorry, Ben Burns. We're, we're it, apparently children. <laughs> Mr. Burns is still looking for a PHEV plug-in hybrid and wanted to ask if we'd recommend for or against a CarMax plug-in hybrid if one became available. I hate dealing with dealerships, and CarMax occasionally has models on our working list. Uh, what? What do you give up with a used uh, PHEV? Um, the used PHEV rules from the IRS are dumb. Well, it's actually not from the IRS. It's from Congress. Uh, they they put those rules in there. A used EV has to be at least two years old and under $25,000. Ridiculous right now. Other thoughts? So uh, I've never bought anything from CarMax. Uh, have you? Yeah, I've never bought anything from CarMax. I've I've bought stuff from from like something that's kind of similar. I, I bought something from Shift. I mm -hmm. bought two cars from Shift. In fact, my BRZs from Shift. And the reason we bought it because a they were they're they're like this little startup and they're in they're not little but they're little-ish startup in, and they're in the Bay Area and a couple other cities. But they would just bring the car to your house so you could test drive it. And if you didn't like it, they would just take it away. And if you liked it, they'd just leave it. And the person would have a, like, get an Uber and go home. Yeah. And you can sign all the paperwork on an iPad. Um, and because my wife and I, are, are our schedules are so bonkers um, that, you know, trying to like, oh, let's get together. Now let's go to a place and do it. Yeah. Plus, it's it if there's no hassle no one's hassling you there's no issues with you know you know we we ended up getting the the hyundai we had to go to a 
to to a dealership and the lady was very nice but my wife also prefaced everything with my husband is an automotive journalist he has a lot of followers on twitter and instagram and and at that <laughs> so point they're like oh don't mess with us yeah and she, she said it in a very nice way but the but as like oh hey yeah this is what my husband does so he knows about all this car you know she's she's very nice about it but the i think the the, the dealership took it as a as a threat <laughs> <laughs> So I don't, I, you know, I, I mean, if, if it's less of a pain in the ass <laughs> than a dealership, like you just walk in or like, this is how much the car is worth. Okay, goodbye. And you just leave and they're not trying to get you to put like undercoating or other ridiculous junk on your car. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and to the, to the question of what you give up with a used plug-in, um, probably not a whole lot. Uh, you know, it depends. On, I mean, it's basically the same as buying any other car. Um, when you're buying used, you know, you probably want to get it inspected. Um, you know, some, you know, car, uh, I know that, um, with plugins now, um, Mannheim auctions, uh, which is owned by Cox automotive, they, um, they now have a testing procedure to test the state, you know, test the condition of batteries when the cars go through the auction facility. Um, and so they generate a, a battery report. Yeah. I think. CarMax probably buys some of their vehicles through Mannheim. Most dealers, you know, you know, but Mannheim's the biggest auction provider for used cars in, in the U S. Um, so a lot of dealers, you know, buy their used inventory through Mannheim. Uh, you know, and these are vehicles that have been traded in by dealers that, you know, maybe didn't want to turn around and resell them or recondition them. They send them to Mannheim. They do the, the reconditioning and everything, auction them back off to, to dealers. Um, you know, so ask if there's some kind of battery condition report. Um, with a plug-in hybrid, it's going to be less of an issue than it would be for a battery electric, because it's still, you know, at heart a a hybrid, um, and you know the battery is going to be used differently than it is in a uh, in a in a um, uh, a battery electric vehicle. Um, so you're probably going to be okay there, uh, as long as everything else about the car is fine. You know, the, the IRS rules, you know, for the tax credit, you know, for up to $4,000 tax credit, um, you know, what they're trying, you know, the, re the, the two-year-old thing is they wanted to make sure that people aren't just buying them and flipping them. Uh, so, you know, the, the vehicles have to be at least two years old. And also they're, they're trying to make EVs more affordable to, uh, to a part of the market that hasn't been able to get to EVs so far because they've been so expensive. Um, so, you know, if, if you can find a used EV or plug in under 25, you know, I mean, that's where a significant portion of the market is shopping is, you know, for vehicles under $25,000. So, you know, you may consider it ridiculous. Um, you know, but the, the whole point of it was to try to get plug in vehicles into a portion of the market that hasn't really had access to that technology up to this point. And finally, from Mr. Burns, uh, he said he's got a coworker with a 2022 Volvo XC60 recharge uh, and was having trouble charging with a 100 foot extension cord at our office. Mm, not Wait, an extension there. cord? <laughs> he was plugging it in through an extension cord? Yeah. Uh, well, there's your problem. <laughs> uh, dealer said extension cords will trip cord breaker uh, if the two gallon gas can uh, and a hike to a station is your IC lifeline in a pinch. Uh, why can't an extension cord be the same for an EV if the dealer is the dealer dumb? Um, so, you know, 
an extension cord, you know, unless you've got like a really big, heavy, heavy duty extension cord, you know, a standard extension cord, um, you know, is going to have some resistance in it. Yeah, it's gonna get all warm. Um, yeah, it's it's not a good idea, especially you know, hundred foot cord, <laughs> not recommended luck. for. Yeah, you know, no. you're you're pulling a, a lot of current through there. Uh, so for from a safety perspective, it's not a good idea, uh, to try to charge with a cord that long. You know, I've used shorter cords, like twenty five foot cords. You know, to reach from before I got my my charger installed. You know, to reach from where the outlet was in the garage. Uh, you know, to vehicles parked in the driveway. Um, but, you know, anything more than that is generally not recommended for safety reasons. It's, it's essentially, it's a fire hazard. Um, so, yeah. Wait, 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 like what amperage do you think it should, like a 20 amp rated extension cord? Um, at, at, yeah, at a minimum. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, 20 amp, that's, uh, you know, a 40, a 40, let's see, 40 amps is 9.6 kilowatts. On a 240 volt, you know, if you, if I mean, if he's pulling, he's probably plugging into just a regular Uh, wall. Yeah. I, I, I would recommend, you know, at probably at least a 30 amp cord. If you get a a cord rated for 30 amps, then that might be okay. Um, I'm not sure what, you know, uh, I can't remember on the Volvo, you know, what they, I think they have a dual voltage, uh, charge cord that comes with it. So it can run on 120 or 240. Uh, with different tips on it. Um, and if you're just plugging it into a 120 volt outlet, yeah, you probably want at least a cord rated for at least 30 amps, preferably more. I mean, if you can find a 40 amp cord, um, yeah. but even at a hundred, you know, even at a hundred feet, it's going to be, <sighs> that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of, uh, that's a long way for electricity. It, I know it sounds like, it sounds ridiculous that, and, and it does sound like the dealer's being a dumb dumb, but no, it, that the reality is, yeah, it's it, even like when you get the, the um, cars, I remember some of them were like, do not use an extension cord with this charger. Mm-hmm. Do not, you know, with this, with this uh, plug-in hybrid or, or this EV, um, even the old EVs, like the, the, uh, the I3 and the, um, the e-golf and stuff. They're like, don't use it. You get to plug it directly in. And so it was, yeah. So yeah. We, and, and those, those higher amperage uh, extension cords, they're not, they're not cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I think I got a 60 amp, just like, it's only like six feet long, and it was like $70 or something like that. Like, And you have to go to, you have to like, you have to start looking on like uh, RVs, like look in the RV section. Yeah, so, um, you know, know, it is is a genuine safety hazard. So, you know, you you don't want to be using a 100-foot cord to charge your... Charge your plug in. Uh, I wonder how hot that cable got. <laughs> probably pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's not impossible to melt an extension cord, especially if it's a, you know, a typical light duty extension cord. You know, like most people <laughs> a use. really thin one with yeah. the little with the like the six little things at the end with the, just the the dual prong instead well, of even, the, even, instead even of the a, grounded prong. Even a, sta- even a standard you know grounded cord. Um, you know, I've, I've used those and you pick up one of those while you're trying to charge a vehicle. It's, it gets warm. Yeah. You know? So it's not a, yeah, it's not, not a good idea. The last thing you want is, you know, is your cord melting or your car catching fire or anything like that. Especially at work. You don't want to be a guy to burn down the office. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. How, I don't know what your work environment is. <laughs> Bill burned down the office. Good job. Bill. You know, I don't know. <laughs> 
uh be like uh office space um, yeah <laughs> let me see what's what's a 25 foot heavy duty extension cord they're not cheap at Home Depot. <laughs> um let's see indoor out or outdoor um let's see and then a 30 amp yeah so a, a 25 foot 30 amp okay this is a, a nema uh l630 so it's a twist lock uh 240 volt um, probably is more than what you're looking for but yeah uh, let's see voltage okay 120 here we go uh so uh yeah you're looking about 50 60 bucks yeah they're, they're yeah they're they're not cheap yeah there's one that's a hundred dollars uh for you know shore power so that, that's for uh again that's another twist block one for an rv yeah. so it's a yeah, that you can't charge it apparently you just can't charge your xc recharge at work yeah. xc60 recharge at work uh, because unless you can find it out like closer yeah. or you're gonna have to like find a closer outlet or or just buy a really expensive cable i mean how much is gas again too much I mean, if he's in California, he's, he'll yeah. probably he'll probably pay for itself in like two weeks. All right. So with that, let's call it a show and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.